Welcome to the Bariatric Podcast, the weight loss surgery podcast coming to you from Central Texas. I'm your host, Chip Reynolds, and today is April 23rd, 2016. This is episode three of the Bariatric Podcast, and thank you so much for listening. In this episode, I'll be talking with Doris, a lovely lady who had the gastric sleeve performed about a month ago. At the end of the show, I'll share my recipe for chicken parmesan. If you have questions or comments for the show, please like us on Facebook. We can be found at facebook.com slash bariatricpodcast, or you can email the show at bariatricpodcast at gmail.com. To start the show, here is my progress report. I'm 45 years old. My heaviest weight was 356 pounds. My surgery weight was 320 pounds. My current weight is 231 pounds, and my goal weight is 170 pounds. I had the gastric bypass performed on December 7th, 2015, and now I'd like to welcome Doris to the show. Hi, my name is Doris Chip, and uh, I am 59 years old. I My heaviest weight was at uh, 317, and on my surgery date, uh, my weight was at 301, because we have to have this uh, nasty uh, liquid diet that we're on before we go into surgery supposedly to help them in their surgical process. My current weight right now is 278. My goal weight is to be at 180. I had the gastric sleeve surgery, and that was on the 21st of March. Great, great. And so um, how did you learn about the procedure that you had? Well, I actually had planned to have gastric bypass about 12 years ago and I chickened out three days before the surgery. Wow. And I just uh, didn't want to do it. I just chickened out. I just didn't want to do it. And then about two years after that I decided I was going to do the lap band. And I got it within two weeks of my surgery date and I chickened out again. So it's been in the back of my mind, and so I went into the diets and so forth and so on uh, over the next few years, and I said I can do it on my own without surgery. Mm-hmm. Well, I quickly learned that that wasn't going to happen. I did make some diet modifications. Uh, I uh, quit drinking sodas, and uh, I quit caffeine. I made... Um, severe changes like I reduced my sodium intake which was um, a big help because then I didn't I can't hardly eat a chip right now because of the amount of sodium so those little uh, subtle changes did lead to um, some weight loss but I still was eating way too much so Mm -hmm. that kind of brought me to the realization I needed a tool that could help me so it, it, what what changed? At, at what point did something change for you where you, know, you mentioned that you chickened out of doing a couple of other uh, procedures previously? What what changed in your mind or in your life that, that let you know that this was the right step for you to take this time? Oh, it was my joint pain. I'm, I'm getting older and I have osteoarthritis and uh, my back gives me a lot of uh, grief and uh, also my knees and my feet and I have severe arthritis in my knees and uh, and my back, my lower back so I'm in excruciating pain and so I, I figured this is something that could help me plus I have other health issues mm-hmm. like uh, sleep apnea 
plus I have high blood pressure and I have this um, little driving force that is making me decide I need to go ahead and uh, do something and that is my grandson. That's so, fantastic that mm -hmm. you were able to, I mean, congratulations on making that decision because that's, that's really important. Uh, I mean, as, as you, as you've now experienced the, the changes in, in, right. in your life since then. So, um, that's great that you've been able to take control of that. That's one of the things that I talk about a lot is uh, for me, what changed was may it was, um, it was just, I realized I had to take control of my life and take control mm -hmm. of my choices and, and that's made all the difference. I actually, um, similar, uh, slightly similar to you, I, I joined the, the bariatric program at Darnell um, in October of 2014 mm -hmm. and went through about half of the prerequisites. And I just kind of peered off because I wasn't committed to making a change in my own life. And it mm -hmm. wasn't until October of 2015 when I actually was able to make that decision for myself wow. and really commit to it. Right. And, um, and at that point, the prerequisites, they weren't, uh, they didn't threaten me anymore. They didn't, they didn't feel like they were obstacles anymore. They were just a couple of things I had to do. Mm -hmm. And then I could have this, this, this new great tool you know, to, to progress forward. So that's, it's fantastic to hear that I'm not the only one that, you know, has, mm -hmm. has struggled with the decision over, you know, over time and, mm -hmm. uh, and that, but that you were able to make that decision as well. Um, so when you did make the decision, uh, did you, did you share it with many people, a lot of friends, family, or did you keep it kind of close or how did you go about after you made the decision? How did you share it? You know, it's funny you would mention that because at first I was kind of reluctant to tell people because so many people try to talk you out of it. And then not only that, you know, a lot of people think that it's the easy way out. So, you know, you're going to hear both sides of that, you know. And I just uh, didn't know. But then I decided, you know what, I'm already committed to this. I'm, I'm really, mm -hmm. truly committed to it this time. And I knew no matter what, I was going to do it. Right. Whether I had to go with um, the gastric bypass or if I was going to get the gastric sleeve, I knew I was going to do it. I, I had already committed mm -hmm. before I even had the surgery. I was already in it, committed all right. the way. There was not going to be any turning back. So it was okay. I said, it's okay to share. Regardless of whatever they say, nobody's going to talk me sure. out of it. So I went ahead and I told them. And just as I thought, there were people that did try to talk me out of it. Oh, Doris, haven't you heard? I know this lady, she died from that. Oh, really? Poor thing. You know, I would just tell them, mm -hmm. that's really sad. You know, some people go in for tonsillectomies and they die, you know? So, yeah, you know, some people die from surgery. You know, they, they, it's just one of the facts. Right. And you know what? I'm going to sign a paper that says I could die, you know? But it's just one of those things that happen. But guess what? I'm committed to this. I'm going to mm -hmm. do it. And so I did. And uh, so I, I went ahead and told people. I did. And I have a quite a host of fan club, if mm -hmm. you will, of friends. Sure. So I Good. did go ahead and tell them. Some were supportive. And, and I have to say, the most important was my family. Right. My husband and my son and my daughter-in-law. Those were the most important ones there at the time. And they were very supportive. Good. And Good. so as long as I had them, and they were there for me at the hospital they were very supportive so I they had my back you know 
So, no, I was going to go ahead and go through mm-hmm. with it. So I felt good about that. That's good. Good. You know, I, I had, uh, my mother lives with me here in Texas, and mm-hmm. so she was very supportive for me. That's great. Um, and many of my coworkers here were, they, I mean, they really went out of their way. One of my coworkers actually brought my mother to the hospital Aww. after the surgery so she That's could visit great. me in the, in the uh, recovery area and stuff. And so um, it, it's, you know, that support is very important that, you know, once you've made a decision and you've committed to it, you know, like you said, you're going to do it no matter what people say because it's the right thing for you at that point in time. But it's always rewarding to know that the folks that you care about and that really care deeply for you as well are there to have your back, like you said. But Chip, I think it is important, though, the part, like you said, to be committed. Mm-hmm. And because I think, like you said, you didn't, you backed out after, you know, it was a year ago yep. and then you waited that year. I think that was important that you waited because I think there's truly a lot of people that go through with this that they really haven't mentally committed to mm-hmm. it. And those are the ones that can end up failing. Exactly. And that's that you bring up a great point because that is exactly how I felt about it a year later. When when I in October of 14, I thought, "Oh, this is going to be easy and I'm going to do this and it's it's going to be the the cure all for everything that I have wrong with me." But I wasn't willing to make the lifestyle changes. Right. To get through those prereqs. Right. And the second year, you know, in uh, October of last year, it, it was exactly that. The, the prerequisites did not, in fact, they took away a lot of the prerequisites during that time because previously you had to lose, in my condition, I had to lose nine or 12 pounds, I forget. And, and That's nothing. And the next year, when, when I went through, they, there was no weight loss requirement, but I ended up losing over 20 pounds leading up to the surgery because I was willing to commit to those lifestyle changes. And that's really, like you said, that's really what's important. The folks that are going to have a better chance of success are really the ones that look at this the way that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. This is just an extra thing that we're doing that's going to help us be healthier, help us to lose the weight, but it's not right. going to be a cure-all. It's going to be just another tool that we can right. use to, along that journey. Right. So speaking of those pre, uh, pre-op rec requirements, how long did it take you to get through the, the stuff that they do make us do, like the lab work and the, the evaluations and, and all of that? Really? Uh, you know, I went through Darnell just like you did, and um, it really didn't take that long. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have had the surgery a lot sooner than I did, but I was pacing myself because I wanted to have my surgery in March. So I started all of this back in in November, Mm -hmm. the beginning of November. So I was pacing myself because I was also attending other seminars at other places like in Austin. And I wanted to have all the knowledge I could. I knew I was going to have it at Darnell, Mm -hmm. but I was uh, already looking at different places because I wanted to educate myself as much as possible and not just what I was seeing and reading online. I wanted to hear from real life doctors what, Mm -hmm. what I could find out so it the process was really at my pace but uh, I would say I could have gotten through everything in probably four to six weeks easily yep. but the the eval the psych eval that they make me take made me take you know I didn't really understand it at first sure I mean gosh you know I'm not insane but <laughs> you know some of the questions they ask you know it's just like ludicrous but um you know, I just, I went ahead and I, you know, played along with that. And then later I started thinking that, yeah, maybe people do want to go in there and come out looking like, the, you know, you know, Kim Kardashian or something like that. You know, I don't know. 
But um, so, but really, if I wanted to go through all of it as as quickly as possible, I could have possibly gotten done with everything in four to six weeks mm -hmm. and been in surgery. Sure. So they worked at a pretty rapid pace, honestly. Yeah. So you mentioned that you were pacing yourself because you specifically had a, a month in mind. Is it was there a specific reason for that or? Um, not so, not so much. I, uh, there was there was a reason, but I don't remember. I know I wanted it before they opened that new hospital. Gotcha. Uh, because I didn't want to go in the new hospital, and then they couldn't find stuff and, <laughs> on the table, and I'd be on the table and say, "Oh, where is that at?" And sure. I no, I didn't want to go through that. So that was part of it. And I think there was some activities going on. We had a trip to make. Oh, okay. That was the other thing. So um, uh, that was that was part of it. So I, I didn't want to do it. And then I did want to get through the holidays. Mm -hmm. And um, I managed to even lose 11 pounds through the holidays. I'm telling That's you, great. I was committed already. Yes. You know, and it's very important that people know that the commitment starts before you have the right. operation. It really does. Mm -hmm. So... I just hope that people would uh, understand that if you if you really want this, you have to start the commitment before. You have to get that in your head and in your bones and all the way to your cells. That you got to start before. Yeah. Well, so it sounds like the that it, it went pretty well for you through that procedure. But did you have any bumps along the way? You know, went from when you decided when you entered the program to. Uh, up through March when you had the surgery, did you have any bumps along the way or any regrets or any second thoughts? No second thoughts. Mm -hmm. No second thoughts. Um, any bumps along the way? I don't think I had any bumps along the way. It was uh, pretty smooth sailing. And uh, any questions I had, um, the doctor that I uh, selected to do my surgery was Dr. Ricardo Young mm -hmm. and um, he always knew I had questions. I always showed up at the meeting with a pad full of questions sure. and, and he always addressed every question. He wasn't like uh, afraid to see me with my tablet of questions and mm -hmm. even when I go to appointments I always show up with questions and, and, uh, and he welcomed the questions mm -hmm. and that also is something to look for in a doctor. If they don't want to see you with your questions you know, that's something to, you know, to wonder about, mm -hmm. you know. Actually, when I was, uh, when I entered the program, I was thinking about having a sleeve done. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until talking to Dr. Young that I had changed my mind. And it was everything about him that caused me to change my mind about which surgery I wanted to have. Because he really wanted me to have the bypass as well. I was just a better candidate for the bypass than I was for the sleeve. But I was nervous about the bypass because it just seems like they're doing more with that than they are with a sleeve. You know, mm -hmm. There's more moving parts inside right. when they make that change to you. But everything that, uh, throughout that procedure, everything that he he did, just the way that he carried himself, his confidence, um, his desire to be thorough, his dedication to safety, because that was one of the very first things that impressed me about him was, um, he tells the story that if you put three surgeons in a room, they're all gonna argue over who's the best. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm not the best, I'm the safest. And that was really something, you know, that that was important to me was someone that was going to commit to being uh, someone that was gonna take care of me. Right. And the best, and not that I thought that any of the other surgeons wouldn't do that, it was mm -hmm. just the way that he articulated that. So I, I, was, I was really appreciative of that. Right. And, um, and I felt better about making that decision where 
I said, okay, I, you know, the bypass is the right answer for me. Right. And so I'm, I'm glad to have that done. So uh, you mentioned um, in the intro that you uh, hated the stinky uh, or the terrible pre-op diet. So how was your experience on that? What did you, no, what did you, what did no. you dis, or what did you not like about it so much? No, not at all. I, I, I breezed through that. I oh, okay. actually, I actually didn't have any problems at all with it. Oh, okay. I, I, I made it. I made it through the pre-op um, without any problems, no mm -hmm. kinks, no nothing. Because to me, again, it was part of the commitment. Right. I knew this was my first step on the way to a better life, mm -hmm. and that's how I put it in my head. Gotcha. That's so, you know, I, I remember. So I had my EGD about halfway through the um, the pre-op diet. Tell me what that is again. That was um, where they they put you into the twilight state and they stick the camera down your throat. And, oh and no, I didn't have just that. to check for lesions or not lesions, but like if there's any um, hernias or, or issues with your esophagus along the way, because they'll repair those during the surgery as well. Uh -huh. And so I had that about two days into the the pre-op, two or three days in. I had it on on uh, Wednesday, and I remember. Um, I, I was still hungry on the first couple of days. I remember at some point it just kind of it flipped over and I just didn't feel like I was all that hungry anymore the last couple of days of the pre-op. But that day I was like, well, that's the last time someone's going to look inside me until I have my surgery on Monday. Who's going to know if I have a cheeseburger today? And I, uh -huh. But I had convinced myself, and I didn't have one. Um, I actually, I, you know, because my friend drove me home, but I was like, this would be the perfect opportunity <coughs> to to stop on the way home and just grab something to eat but my friend drove me home and i just remembered thinking and i, and I convinced myself because you know, it was part of the way that i i made my commitment was that if he goes in there and finds even a shredded cheeseburger on monday he's not going to do the surgery at all and that's going to be my punishment or it's going to cause a complication if I, you know it's, so i said no i just can't do it but i, I just i remember uh the first couple of days of that um of the pre i just i was very hungry all the time because you know, we had to do, um, here we have to do the liquid diet and it's very low carb and it's, it's, it's protein and just drink water. And, and I remember just being very miserable the first couple of days, but the last three to four days, I remember it, it, it flipped over and it just felt better. And I, and I knew why I was doing it anyway. And, and so it was probably about a day after I had the EGD, Thursday or, or Friday, when it really kind of clicked in for me and, and it really wasn't a, a pain, but, mm -hmm. um, so, how was your experience in the hospital? Oh, the, the, the staff were really good to me. And uh, my first day, I mean, right after getting out of the surgery, I mean, after a few hours, I was up and ready to walk. I did walk. And um, I just uh, had somebody with me, you know, because mm -hmm. I was still probably a little bit loopy. Maybe that's why I felt like walking. <laughs> but um, I was walking laps and laps around, not, not I mean, around the whole... Mm -hmm hall area there. I was going around and around because he put me in ICU because of my risk level. Right. And um, I was um, I was doing really, really good. Real good. Just running around there, running around there. And then uh, when I got my first food the second day, because I only stayed overnight. And then when I got my food the next day, I was uh, standing up eating it and or whatever, drinking, drinking it. it yeah. <laughs> And um, and Dr. Young walks in. He goes, you're my first patient I see standing up to drink the food. He said, 
I wish more of my patients would listen and do that. I said, well, nobody told me that. I said, I'm just doing it. It feels better going down that mm-hmm. way. He said, well, it makes sense, yeah, but nobody does it. And I said, well, it makes sense to me. <laughs> so I did it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, and that it went down uh, a lot better. So that it was great. And, and the staff there were so good also. They were really I good. I felt the same way during my stay. I, they were fantastic to me. Because I, 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 I had the same thing. I, I stayed that first night. The next morning, well, I was and I was walking that first day, and and uh, the next day the food came, or well, the, the liquid tray, the the broth, and the and the uh, the water and the the fruit juice, and um, and yeah, they were just fantastic. They were in there at the drop of a hat. You know, if I just if I had the call button, they were in there, and they were in there more often than that, just checking on me and making sure yeah. everything was great. I, I really um, between you know the, the stay in the hospital and then between the nutrition clinic and the general surgery clinic leading into the surgery, I really felt that they prepared me for mm-hmm. what was going to happen. And then they mm-hmm. took care of me so well after everything mm-hmm. had happened and everything was over. So it sounds like you had something similar. Was um, between the nutrition clinic and the surgery clinic, you know, did they prepare you well enough? Do you feel? Oh yeah. They, you know, they told, they told, they told us exactly what to expect and everything. I guess the, the hardest part for me for the whole, the whole process there was the IVs. Mm-hmm. They told me they were gonna give me a, a pick line mm-hmm. and uh, that didn't happen for whatever reason. So I ended up getting poked like seven times. Oh wow. And in the prep room, you know, before we go in. Mm-hmm. And um, so in one of them, this bruise here lasted for a long time while they tried to get in there and the, doc- the guy that was putting it in was giving me a hard time as he was going in I was going ow 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 <laughs> he says ma'am 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 and I said don't tell me that I said it hurts you know <laughs> so anyway but that was the only that was the only mm-hmm. part that was not pleasant I mean they were they were so good they were just so good that's all I could say that's all I could say they were good. really good so you uh, you had the surgery one day, you stayed overnight, and you got to go home the next day? Was they asked me, Dr. Young asked mm-hmm. me, do you want to stay another day? You can. I said, no, sir, I feel good. I feel like I, I could go home. And, good. And if I didn't feel like it, I would have said mm-hmm. so. You know, I felt good. I really did. So how, how was getting home? What kind of, um, you know, obviously your hus- you had your husband at home with you, at least for some of the, some of the day, at least, I'm sure. But yes. how was, um, what kind of support did you need or... How was your experience at home, basically? It was good. It was good. I didn't need a whole lot of support at mm-hmm. home. I was really feeling uh, pretty good until that third day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then the third day. And uh, I believe that was your third day, too, because yep. we both ended up having our surgery the same day, not knowing that. But uh, that third day, that's when the pain came. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. And uh, that's when it hurt, hurt, hurt very bad. So from the third day till about the sixth day, mm-hmm. that was my excruciating pain days. Okay. And um, so I had my surgery on Monday, and then from Wednesday to Saturday, that's when I that was my pain days. Mm-hmm. Really, Wednesday to Saturday, those were my three days of real bad pain. Mm-hmm. Then after that, it was good, really. So when you got home, uh, so. In, in our support group meetings, we always have a lot of folks that are um, spouses of active duty and they, they worry if their spouse deploys and they have the surgery, are they, you know, do they need someone at home, do they not need someone at home? I, I had 
like I said, my mother lives here with me, but, um, you know, she's not physically, she's not able to, wouldn't be able to assist me when I was getting in out of bed or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know they always have questions like that. So did you have any special, um, did you do anything special either in preparation for after the surgery? Like a lot of folks talk about sleeping in a recliner for a few days or getting mm-hmm. wedge pillows or do, so did you do anything special knowing that what you were going into or did, you know, did you have to prepare anything like that? I did sleep in the recliner. I am still sleeping in the recliner. <laughs> I haven't left the recliner. <laughs> it's been a month. Um, on uh, the 21st mm-hmm. was a month. Um, so April 21st made a month. But, um, uh, because when I try to lay down, I've tried to lay in bed a couple of times, but when I lay to one side, it still hurts, but also my back is messed up. Sure. So uh, there's more than more mm-hmm. reasons for having to lay on the recliner. But a recliner is is good, and maybe with even a pillow behind you. Right. So that you don't have to uh, lean so far back, you know, that's sure. helpful. So, but um, that would probably be the most... Uh, uh, useful uh, advice okay. and to try to have things as near to you as possible and and um, oh one very important thing is uh, if you can get somebody to get crushed ice for you okay I found that I uh, this was a doctor a chiropractor that suggested mm. it um, it's harder to drink uh, to keep yourself hydrated by drinking bottled water because mm-hmm. when it goes down it just feels so heavy going down but if you just eat uh, crushed ice by the spoonfuls it seems to just trickle down and trickle down mm-hmm. and it just seems so much more helpful okay that's what helped me for uh, when I got dehydrated mm-hmm. and uh, that that I still use it today but I'm, I'm more able to drink right. water now so um, so since it sounds like maybe this, this question is going to be a no from you, but, um, have you had any regrets or, or, or anything like that since surgery? Absolutely Good. not. Good. And I would highly recommend it to somebody who needs that. So, um, when you came in, we, we talked a little bit, you said your back's been bothering you and you mentioned it, but otherwise, how are you feeling now? So, uh, now that you're about, about a month out. Good. Good. Really. A, a lot of people ask me that and I... I do feel really good about it, and uh, and um, like like I said, I have no regrets about it. But I'm looking forward to to losing a little bit more. I somehow feel stuck, like I haven't can't lose anymore. But I think part of that is because I'm not moving, I'm not exercising mm-hmm. enough, and because um, I'm eating very little. Right. So I just don't I just don't think I think it's because I'm not exercising enough. So I'm looking forward to getting it moving. Mm-hmm. So. And so, what's something that you've discovered about yourself since you've you've either made the decision or had the surgery? What's something new that you found out about yourself? Anything at all? Well, I think um, I think something that it's kind of surprising to me is that I am uh, I have been more committed that I than I thought I would be. I really. I really stepped up to the plate, mm-hmm. you know, because um, a lot of people ask me, well, Doris, aren't you going to go out and have your last fling of something you want before you go on this? And I said, no, not really. Why? They said, and I said, why should I? That's that much more I have to lose. Exactly. You know, and then, um, and then um, 
I, I said, well, I might go and have two Chipley donuts. Mm-hmm. And then I forgot. <laughs> I forgot about them. And then I was in my liquid diet week when I remembered them. I said, oh, well, I didn't oh, well. eat them anyway. <laughs> so, but I, I guess I'm just really more committed to this than I really even gave myself credit for. Mm-hmm. So that kind of surprised me, Good. you know. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly learning new things about myself, and it's, it's always great to hear, you know, what other folks are, are you know, because everyone, we, we talk about it in group a lot, everybody reacts differently with surgery, they all recover differently, we all lose weight at different rates, Every, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's an individual and everything's different, so it's always nice to hear what other folks, you know, are learning about themselves and what kind of positive experiences they've had. Um, and so to kind of further jump on onto that kind of topic, so how have other people reacted since you've had the surgery and, and seeing how you know the changes that you've made oh they make little funny remarks like hi doris where's the rest of you at you know <laughs> stuff like that or oh my gosh you look so different you know and stuff like that you know but i just say well thank you thank you it, it feels you know? good to hear it. yeah I mean, that, that positive reinforcement is so it's so powerful i i get it a little you know i just had one of the uh my co-workers here um, come up to me and said, Chip, you look positively thin. And I said, well, I'm getting there. I'm uh-huh. getting there. Uh, you know, and I told her, I said, it's nice to look in the mirror and be able to see somebody different mm-hmm. than, than who I was. And so just that, you know, but it's, it's one thing to see it in yourself. It's, it's so much nicer when, when folks are, are giving you that positive reinforcement as well. So. I get all jiggly inside. Every time I see you walk in the room at, at the group, I just get all jiggly inside because I just, I just get so excited to see you. I'm it's, just so proud of it, you. It feels so, I mean, it's, it's been such a transformation for me and I feel so much better and, and that's, Partly what's motivated me to do this, what we're doing here today, is I want to share how how much of a difference it's made for me with other people to to encourage them or if, if in some small manner I can inspire someone else to make the same decision right. and make a difference in their lives, then it, it, it's really what motivates me about doing this. Right. Um, it should be shared. It should. So what's the thing that you are most looking forward to as you continue this journey? Um, to be more uh, able to move and uh, do things that uh, I like to do more. Mm-hmm. Like I'd like, I know this sounds silly, but I'd like to be able to play volleyball again. Mm-hmm. But I have um, some severe bone issues, but I, I still want to play volleyball. I still have, there's a kid locked up inside <laughs> here. And uh, and she still wants out. She sure. wants to be able to do things. We, we bought some bikes and we were going to take them out camping, and uh, I'm a little bit afraid. I'm a little bit afraid to get on them, mm-hmm. but um, I still want to do it, you know. And um, I guess I better start with walking and get myself going that way. And um, but I've had such bone mm-hmm. issues here lately, but I want to be able to be less. I mean, more pain free. Right. Uh, that's that's my main driving force why I did this mm-hmm. to try to be you know more mobile. Yep. That's the main thing. That's that was a big factor in my decision as well was just that that overall healthy change was going to was going to be such a big change in how I was able to live my life. Mm-hmm. I, I when I was younger I was a big runner and so that's something I want to be able to to. 
I may never be as fast as I was back then, right. but I want to be able to, to do that again. It's so, it's so important to have those goals so that you know why am I doing this and, 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 and working towards that. So it's fantastic that you have that goal. Mm -hmm. And I hope that you're able to, to, to live a much more pain-free life and hopefully volleyball's in your future as well. That'd be really fantastic for mm -hmm. you. So, um, so now we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about the post-op diets and, and some of the stuff that you're doing for that. Just, you know, what, what you're enjoying about it or what you're not enjoying. So what, you're a month out soon, what stage of the diet are you on now? Oh, those stages went out the window a long Did time they? ago. Did they? Okay. Yes, so, but with my surgeon's blessings. Good, good. Okay. And so what's your um, preferred protein now? How are you, are you doing powder, shakes, no. protein bars, or are you just getting it through your, your normal food? Normal food. Yeah. I can't do shakes. I cannot. What kind of, um, do you just not like the taste or they don't stay down well or... What it, kind of, it won't go past my tongue. Really? It won't anymore. There, there's a lot of folks that have, have, have mentioned in group that, you know, shakes and, and protein bars. I, I myself, there's a certain brand of protein I've been doing and using very, and it's it's been good for me. But there was another, there's another protein brand that both times that I ate those protein bars, I ended up throwing it up. And so it's mm. just, it, every, as we said, everybody's different. Mm -hmm. But uh, but if you're able to get it, get what you need through your food, that's fantastic then. So, I mean, I can eat uh, steak mm -hmm. if it's tender, and I cut it up in really, really small pieces, and then I chew it, chew it, chew it, yeah. chew it, and then I eat chicken, mm -hmm. and uh, I mean, a very small quantity, sure. very small quantity, like maybe uh, two tablespoons, mm -hmm. and then um, I eat uh, like beef like that also, or fajitas, mm -hmm. if they're real tender. Right. And I cut them up small, and then um, um, let me see fish. Mm -hmm. I'll eat fish, and sometimes tuna fish. I'll eat, and um, those are those. That's what I mostly eat for protein. Sure. Or eggs, and uh, I find that eggs are the easiest thing on my stomach for mm -hmm. some reason. My stomach accepts that the easiest out of any food. So, and I also eat uh, yogurt. Okay. I either get the Greek yogurt, mm -hmm. the light and fit, or I also do Activia to help with the stomach. Yeah. And, um, but those are the, the foods that I've been eating. Have you tried anything mm -hmm. new or is there anything that you like now that, you know, we talk about taste buds changing for oh. a lot of folks. And so have, have you seen any changes or is there any, any kind of new foods that you, that you now started to eat because you like them better now? Well, the taste buds did absolutely change and mm -hmm. I didn't believe our dietitian about that, like I mentioned before in group. But um, what has uh, changed for me is, well, one thing is my water. I used to put those little flavor packets in it, mm -hmm. and now I can't hardly stand them. I like just plain water now, mm -hmm. which is better for me anyway. Sure. So, that's a good thing. Um, I, um, for, uh, other than that, not a, not a big change. I just, um, I just eating basically the same stuff I was eating before, but, um, different flavors in the yogurt because some of them don't taste the same to right. me than they did before but so uh the last question i'll ask is and i think i'm getting just from how we've talked i kind of know what the answer is probably going to be but would you do it all again absolutely 
And I would Great. recommend anybody that is having these issues. I've already recommended it to other people. But, yeah, absolutely. It's well, a good experience. I want to say thank you very much for coming out and, and uh, being the first interview that we've done here on the Bariatric Podcast. Oh, I appreciate really? you coming out. Oh. Um, and uh, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Sure. And, um, and we'll see you at group meeting coming up. Okay. Thank you, Chip. Now to close the show, I'll share my recipe for chicken parm. You'll need the following. Two ounce chicken breast tenders, your favorite spaghetti sauce, shredded cheese, and Parmesan cheese. I have a baking pan that's similar to a muffin tray, that instead of the little round muffin compartments, it has rectangular compartments that are the perfect size for the chicken tenders. I preheat the oven to 350 degrees and spray the cooking pan with some non-stick spray. I put one tender in each compartment of the baking pan and bake the tenders for 15 minutes. I then remove the pan from the oven and add one tablespoon of sauce and a pinch of the shredded cheese to each compartment. Return the pan to the oven and bake for five more minutes and then remove the pan from the oven once again. Now I let them cool for a few minutes because I make six tenders at a time and then package them up individually for lunch or dinner later in the week. But once I am ready to package them up, I put another spoon of sauce into each container, add the chicken tenders, and then put half a tablespoon of grated Parmesan cheese on top of each tender. You'll be able to find this recipe on Facebook if you'd like to try it for yourself. Lastly, I'd like to finish the show off with some thank yous. First of all, a very special thank you to Doris for coming on the show today and sharing her story. I'd also like to thank all the folks at the Carl R. Darnell Army Medical Center, Nutrition Clinic, and General Surgery Clinic. Their dedication to supporting the service members, families, and other beneficiaries of the Central Texas area is greatly appreciated. Also, thank you to the Darnell Weight Loss Support Group. Our last meeting was absolutely packed in the new facility, and it's such a great interactive discussion group that allows folks to just share their stories and have their questions asked. It's always a pleasure to attend and meet such wonderful people. If you have any questions or comments for the show, once again, please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bariatricpodcast or email us at bariatricpodcast at gmail.com. In future episodes, we'll do our best to answer your questions and cover your concerns. Thank you for listening.